The U.S. Senate passed a bipartisan global competitiveness bill that includes new grants to expand STEM pathways, allowing students to earn college credit or an industry credential while in high school. Plus, the U.S. Department of Education published guidance on maintenance of equity in spending American Rescue Plan funds, launched an Education Equity Summit series, and issued a request for information on school discipline policies that could lead to new guidance and civil rights enforcement. I'm Anne Heislip, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Ziyu Zhou. Ziyu, what are the key education elements included in the Senate's economic competitiveness bill? Last week, the U.S. Senate passed the Bipartisan U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, previously known as the Endless Frontier Act, the roughly $250 billion package designed to increase American global competitiveness, makes major investments in science and technology, but flew under the radar amid ongoing negotiations over infrastructure. A key goal of the bill is to increase the number of American students attaining college credentials in science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM. While the bill did not expand Pell Grant eligibility to short-term programs, it did include funding for state grants to expand college and career pathways by providing high school students opportunities to gain college credit or an industry credential in STEM courses. This STEM Pathways program is similar to the Fast Track to and Through College Act that we discussed on a previous federal flash. Each STEM pathway would offer at least 12 credits toward an associate degree or a recognized industry credential. And critically, all pathway courses must count not only toward high school graduation, but also transfer to the state's public colleges and universities. Alfred applauds the legislation's investment in early college opportunities. As our president and CEO, Deputy Lyle said, quote, this bill will help keep America competitive with other countries for years to come by encouraging more students, particularly low-income and first-generation college students to complete a higher education degree, end quote. But first, the House of Representatives must vote on the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. If it passes without significant changes, the bill would then head to the White House for President Biden's signature. Switching gears, the U.S. Department of Education released new guidance on the maintenance of equity requirement for elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds included as a part of the American Rescue Plan. As a condition of receiving funds, states and districts may not disproportionately cut funding for high poverty and high need schools. Given that high poverty districts and schools bore the brunt of spending cuts during the Great Recession, we joined with a number of civil rights and other education advocates to strongly support the maintenance of equity requirement. Specifically, in fiscal years 2022 and 2023, states cannot reduce state funding per pupil to high need districts at a greater rate than the overall reduction across the state. Further, they may not reduce state funding per pupil below the fiscal year 2019 level for any of their highest poverty districts. The guidance provides much needed clarity to states in meeting the new requirement. For example, it specifies capital outlays and debt services are excluded as funding sources. It also provides examples of how states identify high-need districts. First, districts are rank-ordered according to their percentage of economically disadvantaged students, 
using the Census Bureau's Small Area Income and Poverty Estimates Percentage. Because special districts lacking geographic boundaries, like charter school districts, may not have census data, the guidance clarifies states can use the same data they use for Title I funding in those cases. Next, states calculate the number of students equal to 50% of their total enrollment. Finally, states identify, beginning with their highest poverty districts, those districts that account for half of the state's total enrollment. States use the same process to identify their highest poverty districts, except that they account for just 20% of the state's enrollment. Districts are also subject to maintenance of equity. They cannot disproportionately reduce combined state and local per pupil funding in high poverty schools, nor disproportionately cut the number of full-time equivalent staff per pupil in those schools. The guidance supports districts in identifying their schools in the highest poverty quartile and determining whether maintenance of equity was met. For example, it clarifies districts can use the same poverty data they already use to determine Title I school eligibility. Districts can also rank order schools district-wide or by grade span. This can support the identification of high poverty middle and high schools. The department also announced a new Education Equity Summit series to address inequities created and exacerbated by the pandemic. The first session will be held virtually on June the 22nd, 2021, and features Secretary Cardona, Deputy Secretary Cindy Martin, and a number of education leaders from across the country. It will focus on school reopening and how schools can better listen to the perspectives and meet the needs of underserved students. If you are interested in participating in the event, register at the link below. In other department news, the Office for Civil Rights released a request for information on data, research, and suggestions regarding discipline in K-12 schools. As a reminder, in 2018, then-Secretary DeVos rescinded school discipline guidance developed during the Obama administration. Since then, Democratic lawmakers and civil rights advocates have continued to call for school discipline reform. For example, Representative Donald McEachin and Senator Chris Murphy recently reintroduced the Protecting Students in Schools Act, which would prohibit corporal punishment in schools receiving federal funds, a practice still permitted in 19 states. And during the presidential transition, restoring and improving the Obama-era discipline guidance was a top priority for many civil rights advocates. The request for information is likely the first step in doing so. OCR is seeking public comments through July 23rd to inform its policy guidance, technical assistance, and other resources to improve school climate and safety and to enforce civil rights laws. Comments may be submitted online through the federal e-rulemaking portal below using the docket ID. That's all for today. For an alert when the next federal flash is available, email alliance at allfored.org. Thanks for watching. Federal Flash is the Alliance for Excellent Education's video series on important developments in education policy in Washington, D.C. Watch online at allfored.org slash federalflash, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or listen to Federal Flash wherever you get your podcasts.